Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy, and today I've got a very topical guest. The area she's in is medical space, healthcare space, and a company called SureScript. Melanie Marcus is the CMO there. She is helping guide their company through very unprecedented times with COVID and everything around that. But her career itself has always been about doing what you love. And as a result, I think when we're thrown into these challenging situations, as Melanie no doubt has been and her team has been, so much easier to take that on when we love what we do. And Melanie and I talk about that in the first part of the podcast you're listening to today. We talk about finding a path where you love what you do. And we talk a little bit about whether it's more important to love the industry you're in or the role you're in or a combination of the two. And I'm sure a lot of you have debated that in the role you're in today, the role you may be seeking, the role you may have had in the past that was perfect in every way. Now, the second half, we talk about needing to shift your team, shifting from very offline experiences to online experiences and whether COVID is helping your business in those ways or pushing you in those ways. So without further ado, here's my chat with Melanie Marcus, CMO at SureScript. Hey, Melanie, thanks so much for finding the time to chat about your career. And you told me you're at a point where you love what you do. And not every executive can ever say that. How did you find that path? Oh, hey, Randy, thanks so much for having me. Um, It's just a pleasure to talk about this and share. Um, I like hearing from other people as well. I do love what I do. I mean, but it, it, it has been a journey. And it started you know, with really allowing myself, I didn't know this, I mean, in college, I didn't know I was allowing myself to just experience the journey. I thought I was completely confused. Hindsight, I go, oh, that was really smart, but didn't feel smart at the time. So I went to be finance intern in a hospital in the Boston area for a summer. And about two weeks after that internship started, I realized that that was not going to be the path and it was not gonna work for the summer. So I walked around the hospital and I found the head of strategy um, and marketing, and she needed a business plan written for their midwifery program. And I said, sign me up. If I can, if I can convince my finance boss over here that I can do this midwifery business plan, then, then I'm in. That project, I did do that project that summer, that project set a path for me of, okay, That was really fun. Learning about a market, understanding a business, putting it together in a way that the two come together and, and, you know, um, and we drive some revenue and and make things happen is really exciting. So that's the path that I went on after business school, all in healthcare, um, working in different jobs and strategic planning at one point, product management, product marketing. And marketing, each job along the way had one thing in common, that it was a little more of what I liked to do with my day 
and a little less of what I really didn't like to do with my day. That was my view of how I was going to take my next jobs. It was only probably eight or so years ago that I realized, okay, it's time. I really need to tell everyone what I want to do if I'm going to keep progressing. And I said, okay, I want to be chief marketing officer. That's it. It's a great way to look at it. And, and I'm curious, as, as you describe that for yourself, you talk about the idea that you know it started in a hospital, it's continued in the medical space. What's your feeling in terms of the importance of loving the role you have versus the industry that you have? I can tell you myself, I spent some time in an industry that I just couldn't connect with, regardless of what I was doing, whereas I love marketing. How do you see that and how do you mentor others around you? Yeah, you know, I think I don't know how I would uh, how I would separate the two other than to say that in marketing in particular, I'm not sure that you can separate the two because in marketing your job is to be for lack of a better word, the cheerleader, the spokesperson, the people who put the message together about the company and if you don't believe in what you're doing, it's going to be really hard to get up every morning and go to work and put the message together that helps others believe in what you're doing. So um, I think the way I would answer that is, first of all, you have to be interested in the work that you're doing. That would be marketing, right? In, in the marketing world, depend, and it's a wide, wide set of jobs that are in marketing. But, but assuming that you like the kind of work you do, Where you do it in marketing is really important. You have to connect with what um, and why you're doing it. So did you purposely, in your case, take a path that was taking you more to the software side because it was the software side of the industry that was interesting? Or was that just a natural path that, that unwound? That was a natural path and a bit of luck. Um, It wasn't that I sought out technology. Um, I was on the hospital side earlier in my career and really having a great time in California, working across the northern part of California um, and, and doing some really exciting strategy work. At the time, though, I was working with also what was a nurse triage program. So it was a technology of sorts, a, a nurse triage call center type thing to bring that to the hospitals in the system that I was working in. And I had the opportunity to move and work for that company. And when I did that, and I was just excited by the opportunity to go into product marketing and to actually build what at the time was an early disease management program for that company. And that was just luck. That move to that company ended up setting off a 20 plus year career at what became McKesson that company was acquired and then acquired and then acquired three times in a year and a half ultimately by McKesson where I spent yeah. 20 plus years yeah sometimes it's luck <laughs> so building off of that that experience of going through multiple acquisitions what advice can you give to marketers in terms of how you have to reinvent your role because so often you hear about a company being acquired and very often the more senior management ends up moving on it's, it's not every day you hear that they, they make it through the shift in culture, the change in organization. What was some of the keys for you in terms of being able to remain with the company through all that change? 
Well, this was far earlier in my career. So I was not in the senior leadership. Um, I wasn't at the senior leadership table. It was far earlier career. And so for me, navigating that change at that time was really taking the opportunity to look around corners and see, you know, hey, I'm doing this here in this company, but we just became part of a much bigger company. I'm sure there are other opportunities. Let's go see what else needs to be done and where might be interesting. And that's actually kind of how it, how I'm, I, I always just stayed on top of the strategy of the organization that I was in. And as I understood the strategy of the organization that I was in, where could I add unique value? And within the course of my job, I had, I always had found places to get engaged in new and different ways, but I wasn't always in the same part of that organization. That's a very large organization. So I moved around. Absolutely. So I'm just curious, making that leap to CMO, what do you think as you look back to the way your career has unfolded? Because not every marketer is going to get there. Uh, what what gave you that opportunity to where you are today, to being, as you put it at the beginning, loving what you do? Well, um, I think there are three things. I had incubators for skills throughout my career. I didn't know it at the time. But I had serious incubators where you look around and you go, how are they letting me do this at this point in my career? Right. I don't, but, you know, I'm doing revenue projections for like an entire hospital, you know, worth of outpatient services two years out of business school. Is That's cool. That was an incubator. That was um, that was somebody saying this person can do that. Let's give it a try. Right. Incubators. And I had those along along my progression um, where I was doing another example was doing market opportunity across an early stage business within McKesson at the time where nobody had really looked at this part of the market before or done the market opportunity. And I was truly like down in the detail, understanding this market and trying to figure out how do I explain and then put numbers to market opportunity. So incubators, you know, somebody giving you a shot, saying somebody's got to do this and get in there and get your roll up your roll up your sleeves and do it. The other thing would be training. Right. So always, always taking advantage of opportunities to be further trained. Um, I had the benefit of some along the way, both um, great just skills training, but also leadership training and taking advantage of those and leaning into those leadership training opportunities. And then along the way, I don't want to overplay my the role of mentors, but mentors are important. People who will, who see something in you and work with you at where you are to help you get to the next stage. And they may stay with you for a long time in that role or for a short time and then somebody else picks up, but someone along the way who's kind of in that type of mentor role. Those three things I think are important. Incubators, constant kind of learning and um, training, and then mentors. I love that. And, and thanks for summarizing that. On that point, Melanie, we're going to take a short break here. We'll be back and we'll we'll shift over from how you've gone to where you are to now how you're guiding your, your buyers to where they need to get to right here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? 
look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. When it comes to this idea of finding what we love, it's very important, and, and I asked Melanie about this, do we have to love the role or do we have to love the company? I actually believe you have to love the company. Now, I've been in different areas of marketing and business over my career, and I'll tell you that there's a huge difference when we're passionate about the space that we're in. I mean, for many reasons, that's why I started a company in the MarTech space. I loved marketing so much. I didn't want to just be a marketer. I wanted to be doing marketing for a company that was doing marketing. And, and I think every one of us has an area that we're passionate about on the side. And it's not always possible that we can have our side passions meet our professional passions. And you've heard people debate whether that's even healthy at times because it can ruin the sanctity of what you're so passionate about in the side part of your life. But I think in many ways, believing in the product is so important. And it's one of the things that I ask anyone who interviews to join at Uberflip is tell me a little bit about why this space. You know, some of the other questions I'll ask in an interview may be, tell me about some of the other companies that you're applying to. And if I don't see a focus or a love for the company and what they believe in in the pursuit to find that place, I sometimes question if this is just going to be a stop along someone's career, or is this a pursuit to really understand an industry and become a master of that industry? All right, Melanie, we are back here and we've talked about how you've become the CMO of a company called SureScripts. Now, SureScripts, usually we don't talk a lot about product here and company, but in your case, what you're doing is so relevant to the world we're living in right now uh, and, and changes that I'm sure have had to be contemplated. Can you help us understand what SureScripts does and how COVID has impacted your business? Sure. Um, SureScripts is a health information technology company. We actually were, were founded about 20 years ago specifically to automate the prescription process so that you don't take a paper prescription to your doctor anymore. It goes electronically. Now we do about 5 million electronic prescriptions a day. Um, and we've moved on from that to expand to actually bring information that informs the care decision around. We bring medication history, clinical history to the provider desk when you're talking with the provider, um, no matter what provider or electronic health record they're using, we bring it across the system, across the, across the country. And we're doing other things that kind of enhance that prescribing process as well, which can be pretty cumbersome beyond just actually making the prescription. There are lots of bumps in the road around price, around process, and that kind of thing that we're automating as we, um, as we move forward. So that's what we do. 
So is it fair to say, as, as we think about your business and the impact, I, I was listening to a podcast this morning myself, uh, the Saster podcast, Jason Lemkin, who interviews different businesses. He was interviewing the, the head of Shopify, right? E-commerce space, which, you know, and, and he talked about how COVID in their world has actually accelerated the need for digital. Is that the case in terms of what you're seeing with electronic script? One of the things that we're experiencing across the industry, and we work with all parts of the industry, we're a network business. So we work with, you know, the health systems and providers, the pharmacies, the health plans, the electronic health records. We, we work with everyone. One of the things that we're experiencing across the industry is an acceleration of trends that had already started. So because they're so necessary to be able to, to be able to address this incredible, you know, tragedy. We are seeing some uptick in the adoption of tools that allow people to be more touchless and more automated in their ability to care for patients, whether that be more adoption of electronic prescribing or electronic prescribing for controlled substance, which is a big deal when you're talking about people who need that medication and can't come in to get a paper medication. So being able to do that electronically is important, or even using some of the tools that exist in the industry anyway, or at SureScripts anyway, to automatically and electronically report COVID cases to public health authorities rather than only by manual process. So, you know, there is an acceleration of automation. We do see some of that. When you think about it from the healthcare space, it's it's really what can we do to respond in this moment? And I've, okay. I've been fortunate to speak with other marketing leaders in the healthcare space. And one of the things that I've heard, tell me if, if this is the same in your business, is there's been a shift from how do we generate demand as a marketing team in some cases to how do we simply be there for our, for our buyers? How do we educate? How do we move to a embracing content more now maybe than ever before? That's exactly right. That's exactly where we are. I mean, to the extent that we can help with this crisis, with technology, we are there and we are engaging. To the extent that we can just help by listening, we are there working with our customers. Each of our markets in healthcare has a different readiness to engage based on how close they are to the front line. And we need to be very sensitive to that and modulate our approaches and discussions with them accordingly. So we've definitely put that kind of approach and that thought process into place. Beyond that, we've also obviously changed our entire marketing mix overnight, you know, overnight from very in-person, you know, people buy from people kind of thing to digital. And that's been quite a project. You know, six months ago, we were looking at doing 46 events, whether it be our own internally driven events or external events in the industry between March and December. All 46 are either canceled or online now. So right. we've gotten, we had to like tool up our team. We had to retool our events team completely to say, okay, now you're a virtual events team. <laughs> Find the tool. Right. You know, figure out how to do it, like go get the training and, and, you know, and go. And that's been quite a process. Gotcha. And, and when you, when you make a change like that, and, and you talked earlier in, in the first segment about 
reinventing yourself and, and changing with the flow as, as you went through these companies or the companies got acquired in, in different cases. You know, how are you going about making sure that you educate your team to make this transition? Because it's, you know, it's one thing to tell an event specialist who knows how to run an event in person or a content person who knows how to deal with the printer to say, now you've got to figure this out online. How are you handling that education piece and mentorship that you talked about earlier? Yeah, in terms? yeah. no, that's great. So it's, it's a great opportunity for some on the team to bring the ideas themselves. These ideas aren't all mine, they're from the team. It's a great opportunity for the team to think differently. The struggle has been, and it's probably this way for across industries, across the country, across the world, the struggle has been finding the time to think differently. So my mentorship is making sure that everybody has the time and permission to think differently and bring the ideas forward. We'll pause something so you can think about this a little bit before we go, before we hit go. Don't keep doing, pause and rethink, and then let's go do. That's where I come in because it's easy to just get your days filled with meetings right now. You know, you can't stop by someone's office, so you put a half hour meeting on and you go from meeting to meeting to meeting and you never stop and think about what am I doing? What changed? Absolutely. So, yeah, that's great advice. Well, Melanie, this this has been a great chat on on how you think about the buyer, and I think that advice to take a moment, you know, to pause and reflect is is so important now more than ever. Uh, I use I often say that you know it was my time on airplanes that allowed me to think, and now that I'm not on an airplane anymore, I'm not thinking enough. That's uh, right. So you know, we we all have to carve out that new time to do so. Uh, we'll carve out a minute or so here. You can think a little bit and then we'll hear more from Melanie on how she makes time for herself right here on The Marketer's Journey. I'm referencing Jason Lemkin and the podcast I referred to is episode 363 of Saster, which I just listened to this week. It's a great listen you know, with the GM of Shopify Plus, Lauren Paddleford. And Within that episode, they talk about this idea of how COVID is actually pushing us into a new world. In many ways, they talk about e-commerce being 10 years now ahead of where it was just six months ago, just by the push that COVID has had for us. And I think it's something that all of us as marketers need to reflect on. You know, the realities of COVID have changed the way we market. Uh, Melanie talks in this episode about the idea that she had to refocus her event teams. Now, for many of us, the idea of events or the idea of a face-to-face -face sales call or perhaps even some of the direct nail plays we may have been doing to people's offices those are now essentially off the table they're not at our fingertips and more than ever it's pushed us to have to think about digital first and every element of that digital journey now needs to be thought of at such a higher level because we can't go in person to maybe close the deal meet them at an event or something of that sort and it puts a lot of focus on this idea of how do we continue the journey? How do we keep the cost of acquisition low and ensure that we don't need so many touch points? Because if it takes too many touch points, we may lose our buyer along that path. So now more than ever, we need to think about every campaign we're running and what destination we're gonna send them to. Now this is an area that was a big reason I created Uberflip with Yove many years back was the belief that every campaign we run 
needs to lead to a better experience. That mindset, that focus is what helps companies like SureScript as you're hearing today, ensure that they keep their buyer engaged throughout that entire buyer journey. All right, Melanie, we've unpacked your career, the way you approach the buyer. Now, I, I know you love what you do. We, we talked about that, but it's still important to take a break from what you love professionally. And how do you prioritize that as a busy exec? My family and I do love to travel. We do. Um, and luckily, we got a great trip in. We went to Spain right before the pandemic hit. So we got away. And going abroad, to me, helps because it means there's a time difference and at least there's some slowdown in the desire to look at my email. So that that is helpful. But right now in the pandemic, I, I've, I've added a few really important things to me. I go for a daily power walk every morning and a few mornings a week, I'll go with a friend with masks on and socially distanced. And most mornings I'll go by myself. And that's my time early in the morning to think and to start the day in that way. So that's been a really important um, thing that I've added. I'm, I'm curious when you do these walks, because I, I, I have not done this well myself. Do you fully disconnect? Are you listening to music? Are you listening to a podcast? What's your, what's your routine on that walk? Yeah, it's really funny you ask that because this morning... I, I tried to listen to a podcast, and every time I do try to listen to a podcast, I end up not listening to the podcast. It's on in the background, but I'm thinking about something else altogether, and I have absolutely no idea what just happened on the podcast. So I definitely use the time to think, even if I try to do something else. <laughs> That's funny. A little yeah. bit of background noise is, is almost needed sometimes to, to let us really yeah. escape. Uh, Melanie, good. this has been a great chat. You know, unpacking your career, the, the world you're in right now, which is so, so impacted by everything going on in our world. Uh, I thank you for sharing. If you're tuning in for the first time and hearing Melanie, we've got a number of other great CMOs who've joined us on the marketing marketer's journey uh, and shared their path. Everyone is unique. Everyone's different. I'm sure yours is too. You know, make sure I think, you know, the key we learned today is love what you do. And you'll hear that on all the other podcasts we've got. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 